the Battle of Ai goes south, and someone in Israel's camp is to blame. A secret sin has stained the holiness of God's chosen nation. On the Bible Brief. Pick up your Bible and read along with us today. Learning happens better with a Bible in your hand. How could one have chased a thousand, and two put ten thousand to flight, unless their rock had sold them, and the Lord had given them up? From Deuteronomy chapter 32. There is a lie that many of us believe by default, a lie about the consequences of sin and disobedience, a deception perhaps born out of an overweighted individuality and an underappreciated community. This lie usually rises up when we're tempted to do something we know is wrong, but would bring us some satisfaction in the moment. And the lie goes something like this. If I do this, it will only really affect me. Even if it is disobedient, it's not like it will hurt someone else. If there are consequences to this, I'll be the only one to bear them. This lie is something many of us have told ourselves in moments of weakness toward temptation. Maybe it's looking at pictures or videos that shouldn't be viewed. Maybe it's cheating on taxes. Maybe it's stretching the truth. These all may seem personal and isolated. They may seem harmless to others, but eyes on the wrong content can warp the mind in corrupt relationships with others. Cheating on taxes can mean a family loses a member to jail for a time. Stretching the truth can cause domino effects in the decisions of others. The lie that our sin won't really affect anyone else is a lie that must be rejected every time it pops into our minds. Because it's a lie that, if believed, can set a life on fire, bringing others along with the one who believed the lie. Few places in the Bible illustrate this better than what happens in the aftermath of the Battle of Jericho. We see that a nation and a family suffers for the secret sin of one man. He believes the lie, and his sin means the death of many. Jericho was to be destroyed, completely and utterly destroyed. The people, the livestock, the buildings, everything. The army of Israel had walked around the city for a week. And on day seven, with great shouts and trumpets, the walls of the city had come crashing down to the ground. And soon the city had been vanquished and burned, totally destroyed. All except for that family of Rahab, the prostitute who had sheltered the two spies by her faith in Yahweh. Now remember that in the midst of this conquest of Jericho, God had commanded through Joshua that all the valuable metals of silver, gold, bronze, and iron were to be taken from the city and placed in the treasury of the Lord. That is, they were to be given to the Levitical priests for keeping as offerings to God. Nothing else was to be saved or taken from the defeated city. And by all appearances, Israel had had a massive victory. They had obeyed God and destroyed the city. They had placed those valuable metals in the Lord's treasury, and they could go on now to more conquest in the land. The problem was... The appearance of obedience covered over secret disobedience. 
A disobedience that would spell death. Death that would be realized as they moved to the next city of conquest, the city of Ai. Just as before, Joshua began the conquest using spies in a reconnaissance mission to Ai. We read this in the book of Joshua, chapter 7, starting in verse 2. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai. Go up and spy out the land. And the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not have all the people go up, but let two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. Do not make the whole people toil up there, for they are few. These spies return with good news. It's going to be an easy victory over this small city. They wouldn't need the nearly 600,000 men of war that Israel had in their army. No, they would only need about one half of one percent of that. At maximum, the spies recommended that 3,000 men would suffice. The rest of the army would get a break, while just this small force would fight the next battle in the war for Canaan. And next we see that Joshua takes their advice. So about 3,000 men went up to Ai from the people. And they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai killed about 36 of their men, and chased them before the gate as far as Shebarim, and struck them at the descent. And the hearts of the people of Israel melted and became as water. Just these few short sentences show an absolute reversal of the events of the Battle of Jericho. Rather than the Lord fighting for Israel, Yahweh is silent. Rather than Israel conquering with no life lost, they flee before I, losing 36 men. Rather than confidence in the face of their enemies, we read a description that formerly had been used to describe the Canaanites. We read that the hearts of the people of Israel melted and became as water. Something is amiss with the army, and immediately Joshua seeks understanding from the Lord. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening, he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all, to give us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? Would that we had been content to dwell back on the other side of the Jordan. O Lord, what can I say when Israel has turned their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it and will surround us and cut off our name from the earth. And what will you do for your great name? Joshua's confidence in victory is completely dashed by this news from the Battle of Ai. And he begins a distraught prayer with some veiled accusations that God hasn't been faithful to uphold his word. As if God had abandoned the people to defeat with no reason. But God quickly vindicates himself to Joshua. Next we read, The Lord said to Joshua, Get up. Why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant that I commanded them. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen and lied and put them among their own belongings. Therefore the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their back before their enemies because they have become devoted for destruction. I will be with you no more, unless you destroy the devoted things from among you. God reveals to Joshua that things didn't actually go as planned at Jericho. While it appeared that obedience in devoting the city to destruction had gone as planned, instead someone among Israel had disobeyed the commands of God. As a result of this secret disobedience, 
Israel is suffering. In fact, God says that as long as Israel harbors this disobedience, that they themselves would be devoted to destruction. They would suffer the same fate as the Canaanites, so long as they had disobedience in their midst. Then God tells Joshua that the next day he will reveal who the disobedient person is. And he will do this through casting lots. What looks like a game of chance will be the tool that God uses to reveal the guilty party. So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel near tribe by tribe. And the tribe of Judah was taken by lot. And he brought near the clans of Judah, and the clan of the Zerahites was taken. And he brought near the clan of the Zerahites man by man, and Zabdi was taken. And he brought near his household man by man, and Achan the son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah was taken. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord God of Israel, and give praise to him, and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua, Truly I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shinar, and two hundred shekels of silver, and a bar of gold weighing fifty shekels, then I coveted them and I took them. And see, they are hidden in the earth inside my tent, with the silver underneath. Achan has been found out. The casting of lots narrowed down from tribe to clan to family to the man himself. You can imagine his guilt building with each step closer to him. The inevitability of his sin finding him out was settling in. And soon Joshua speaks to him directly, before Achan spills the truth. He'd taken a cloak, some silver and some gold from Jericho. He had disobeyed God and broken his law. Soon the people find the evidence of Achan's wrongdoing, and soon the consequences of Achan's sin spread further to his own family and possessions. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan the son of Zerah, and the silver and the cloak and the bar of gold, and his sons and daughters, and his oxen and donkeys and sheep, and his tent and all that he had. And they brought them up to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why did you bring trouble on us? The Lord brings trouble on you today. And all Israel stoned him with stones. They burned them with fire and stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones that remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his burning anger. Therefore, to this day, the name of that place is called the Valley of Achor, meaning the Valley of Trouble. Achan had believed the lie that a secret sin is harmless to others. He thought that he could hide his greed from Israel and from Yahweh and get away with it. Achan was wrong. First, 36 people in the army of Israel died at Ai. Then Achan's whole family died along with him. Perhaps some of them knew of his disobedience at Jericho. Perhaps they were even implicated as well. But in any case, Achan was the main guilty party, and his sin caused death all around. Achan learned the hard way. Secret sins spill over. Achan's story ends with stoning and burning, and God's anger turns away from Israel. Yahweh will not tolerate sin among his people. He doesn't overlook sin or see it as a small thing. This mission of Israel was to be a holy people, working a holy war against an unholy people. 
and any unholiness in Israel would mean mission failed. They were to be a pure people, purifying the land from the gross pagan worship of the Canaanites. And after the death of Achan, the camp was pure again, and they were ready to go back to Ai. We read this in Joshua chapter 8. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear and do not be dismayed. Take all the fighting men with you and arise and go up to Ai. See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai, and his people, his city, and his land. You shall do to Ai and its king, as you did to Jericho and its king. Only its spoil and its livestock you shall take as plunder for yourselves. Lay an ambush against the city behind it. Joshua arose early in the morning, and mustered an army of thirty thousand, and went up. He and the elders of Israel before the people to Ai. And all the fighting men who were with him went up and drew near before the city, and encamped on the north side of Ai, with a ravine between them and Ai. He took about five thousand men, and set them in ambush between Bethel and Ai, to the west of the city. So they stationed the forces, the main encampment that was to the north of the city, and its rear guard to the west of the city. But Joshua spent the night in the valley. And as soon as the king of Ai saw this, he and his people, the men of the city, hurried and went out. And Joshua and all Israel pretended to be beaten before them and fled in the direction of the wilderness. So all the people who were in the city were called together to pursue them. And as they pursued Joshua, they were drawn away from the city. Not a man was left in Ai or Bethel who did not go after Israel. They left the city open and pursued Israel. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Stretch out the javelin that is in your hand toward Ai, for I will give it into your hand. And Joshua stretched out the javelin that was in his hand toward the city. And the men in the ambush rose quickly out of their place. And as soon as he had stretched out his hand, they ran and entered the city and captured it. And they hurried to set the city on fire. So when the men of Ai looked back, behold, the smoke of the city went up to heaven, and they had no power to flee this way or that. For the people who fled to the wilderness turned back against the pursuers. And when Joshua and all Israel saw that the ambush had captured the city, and that the smoke of the city went up, they turned back and struck down the men of Ai. And the others came out of the city against them, so they were in the midst of Israel, some on this side and some on that side. And Israel struck them down, until there was left none that survived or escaped. Through a clever tactical maneuver commanded by God, Joshua and the army of Israel are granted victory over the city of Ai. They devote the city to destruction, and they plunder it according to God's command. Israel's obedience was rewarded with success in battle, and God's power ensured the victory. I was no more, and Israel had racked up their second victory in the war for Canaan. Jericho was history. I was history. And the eyes of the nation looked further into Canaan. The war was just getting started. Join us next time as we see deception against Israel before an alliance forms against them in the south. War drums are beating in the land of Canaan. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023.